Well, good afternoon, Heidi. How are you doing today? I am good. Good to see you, Wendy. Glad to be here with you. I am glad to be here too. And I think we both kind of um, have had a lot happening in our lives as well as most people around our area. So, you know, I wanted to have a brief conversation with you about what's happening as far as maybe triggers that are going on for people with fire and fire relation. And, you know, I know that both our first fives put out a lot of resources when the camp and the car fire occurred. There's a lot of smoke happening. There's a lot of fires going on for both of our counties. Um, and sometimes the fire that starts in one of our counties moves to the other, right? So Shasta County just recently had a fire start and it's moving and has moved toward Tehama and Tehama already had fires going. So, you know, I wanted us to have an opportunity, I know you agree, to talk a little bit about what parents uh, can do for themselves um, and what they might want to do for their children, because we know that this can be a very triggering thing, even if you don't have a fire in your neighborhood or you don't have a fire happening in your county at the moment, it's important to recognize that the smoke and the other things around news reports and hearing about friends who've been evacuated in other areas of our state even maybe um, can trigger emotional reaction. So I, I you know, think that it is important as, and I know you do as well. Yeah, I think that it is really important. And I think thinking about it through our parent lens and through um, what children are experiencing and you know, whether it, if this is happening right now with with fires, but it can happen with all different sorts of emergencies or situations that are out of our control. And so thinking about how through a parent lens, you can think about to keep our children and family safe and through a child lens, how we can talk about it with them that they are able to process and understand and, and know that while things might be slightly out of control, they are still safe. And so I'm um, yeah, really happy to have the conversation and take some time to think about it and and I know, you know, we both are executive directors of First Fives and we both support our community as a whole and we're both family members and parents. And so I think we have, through both those lenses, we've probably had experiences that really can um, give us some insight on how we might talk about this and how we might do preventative measures throughout the community and the family to, to help keep our families and communities healthy. I agree. I think, you know, first and foremost, we are, we are parents and we are also providers of different types of information around these various topics. But, you know, I also will point out that I can see it from both sides as far as being someone who's been out on the fire line working as well as someone who wants to support families and understanding a lot can be happening out there that you're not aware of. But again, even if you're not in control of those, I loved that statement you made that you do have some ability to help yourself as a, you know, um, person individually, but then also as, you know, if you're coming into contact with a child that you're care providing for, regardless of whether you're the parent or not, you can be supportive, right? And so as a parent, you can be supportive, but also as a care provider. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that's um, comes to mind when you were talking was being prepared, being someone who knows and preparing yourself as well as a child that you're either care providing for or your own child what do you do when there's an emergency, whether it be a fire, whether it be some other type of emergency, but definitely being prepared is so important. Absolutely. And I think sometimes 
we can get a little bit worried. At least I know that when I was in the classroom, I would get worried that preparing would scare the children, right? We would do fire drills or of more recent, we would do shooter drills. And there's a lot of conversation around whether that itself is triggering. And I think it's really important to be aware that it could be, especially now multiple recent years, we've had many big fires. Many of our families have moved from you know, across county lines and may have experienced that. So if we do a fire drill, it, it really could um, impact a child in a unique way, but it's still really important to be safe and prepared. And we can still have that conversation saying, we're doing this so that we can be safe. We're gonna be safe, you know, and just really explaining that to children, I think is is really critical and also honoring it might be a little bit scary and, um, and unsure for us. Many of our teachers have probably lost homes in the recent years and or been displaced due to fire. And so being really self-aware that, you know, maybe you're feeling a little agitated and anxious because we're doing this fire drill or talking about how to be prepared and, and that that's okay. You can feel that and we still have to prepare, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that is a point well made. Preparation even though there could be some feelings around that isn't negated because of those feelings, right? Preparing is going to be one way that during that moment, you're not going to get triggered into a freeze response, right? That's the last thing you want someone. And you really don't want to fight a flight response either, a fight or flight, because you don't want um, that moment to become something that become, is another incident within that incident. You want people to have enough preparation. That's what kicks in that's what their mind goes to. Like that's, you know, the importance of knowing what to do and drilling it, right? Like, so, you know, families who have plans of evacuation of their own home generally tend to do better than families who wait and just let things take its course in a way that may not be um, as planful um, or as appropriate because you just didn't think about all the different things you're gonna need when you leave. So then you're taking extra time that you may not have. Um, you know, and we have heard of people who've not made things easy on themselves when evacuating or on firefighters and law enforcement in particular. And, you know, one of the things that firefighters and law enforcement are trying to do is to keep you and your family and properties safe. Uh, and they can't do that if they're worried and you're worried about what that and the time that it's taking. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I, there's the big picture, right? The big, like most, um, most traumatic pieces when we have the fire and, and losing of homes and being displaced. And then there's also the more day-to-day -day pieces like you were mentioning, the fire might not actually be near us right now, um, actually at this very moment, which you know might not be the moment you're listening, to him is doing okay with fires, but with smoke, we're not. And so all of the children, are not being able to go out to recess, um, you know, the it's hazardous air, and that has impact in itself as well, right? And so that sometimes not just the big things, but also those, um, what we as an adult might think of as a little thing that also greatly impacts our children and can be triggering and, and kind of in a way that makes them feel like something is out of control and not safe as well, or can just be wow, they really need to get some energy out and their whole day is shifted because they can't. <laughs> right. No, I think that's a great point. I think knowing that you as an adult in the life of a child 
may have to shift your thinking about what it looks like to get that energy out, right? Creating some moments in time where you are recognizing that there could be triggering effects by going outside or hearing the news. Uh, so one of the things that I know parents like to do is watch the news. We all do, right? Or even care providers. We have to be careful how much we're exposing that to our children just because for youngins, um, we've talked about this in the past, they just think it's right now, um, always. Um, and it could have been a week or a month or whatever, and they just don't have that concept in time, right? So it's just important that we recognize that. But also, you know, you can do things at home to help ease or appease some of their emotional outbursts, as well as if they have pent up energy, you know, you can do things and activities that help out with some of that. And um, so what are some ideas that you have, Heidi, that people could do in the home at, when we can't take them outside because the air quality is so poor? Um, and then we'll talk also about what do we want to do for that triggering effect that the air quality can have for sure. Yeah. Oh, I would love to. So my personal favorite, like of all time favorite is the bubble pop dance. Now it does require one, one thing, which is bubble wrap, but you know, these days with Amazon, many of us have extra bubble wrap in our house. And if you don't, you can do it in a little bit of a different way, but just a really small square bubble wrap on the floor and put a, put a song on and say, okay, everybody get their pops out. And you run up and down on the bubble wrap as much as you can to get those pops out. Um, obviously this is another great kind of DIY recycle because instead of that bubble wrap getting thrown away, you're getting one more use out of it. And I personally have never done this and not just belly laughed from it because it's just hard to get those last darn pops out and all kids of all ages, you know, 18 month olds to 10 year olds have a fun time and are challenged at just doing that. Plus your heart rate really gets going. Right. And so then we're saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to your heart rate for getting going. Um, which is one of those things that will increase your your hormones and really help calm, you know, your body after you have that experience. You know, we're looking for those cardiovascular quick bursts of energy a lot of times to help with our brain regulation. So that's my personal favorite. Do you have one? I do. <laughs> so that one is an awesome one. I do love that one. And I love the floor is lava. So, you know, Netflix came out with the floor is lava now too, but we played that we played that with my young children when they were younger and, and it's just a fun game, right? Like, so you create, you know, kind of even different courses to make it, you know, so that you're jumping and hopping and, you know, trying to climb around. And obviously you have to be okay with, you know, some getting on the furniture um, as long as it's safe uh, and, you know, give them some clear guidance and, you know, remind them when you feel like it might not be safe as a parent, but definitely fun because you can't touch the floor, right? It's lava. And then you're out, you know, if, if you know, and then there's so much fun when somebody goes down in the lava and you're like, Oh, we've got to save them, you know? So, um, you know, we also played, you know, lifeboat or, you know, you call it lifeboat. So each person is kind of like hopping like the floor is lava, but then if they fall in the water, you have to figure out a way to get them out without going in. I mean, so that's a fun one too. And, and kids of all ages can understand that, you know, and, and play in some of that um, drama around that. And it's just kind of creative play, which also, and you're also using logical thinking parts of your brain to figure out how to maneuver through this course that you create um, without touching certain things. Right. So well, and you know, what's interesting about both of these, which I didn't, I wasn't sharing the strategy intentionally around this, but that it, it you, the, the floor is lava, the lifeboat and the bubble wrap. They're also 
strategies to support trauma and like informed practices because it's bringing us into the here and now. And so if you did have a trigger and were really worried or scared and, and ex or experiencing kind of a trauma replay uh, based on the fire experience, this type of activity brings your brain into the present moment and will give you that brief reprieve from reliving that past experience like it was happening all over again. And so you really are kind of getting a two for one when you do these types of things, which is, which is fabulous. Also, the floor is lava. I have never met an adult that is as good as a child. And so you will always lose to your kids, right? And that's a great thing too. So some of the other things that are helpful in that regard are a, a technique called shake and dance, right? So you just put on the music, music that's fun, music that's like moving music. And you can put on music and you guys move to that music. You move to that music, listening to the sound of the music. So you're, you know, getting some musicality in there, but you're also letting them move their bodies. Um, and then you do a shaking one. So you do one that you could just shake as hard as you can, as fast as you can with your eyes closed. And you do that for like a minute. And then you get back to a place where, you know, the younger children, you, won't, you don't want to do it as long. But as an adult, you should probably be doing it at five to seven minutes, which it can be hard. So you should time yourself. But, you know, you do that shaking thing and there's some music that can go and we can put a link on our podcast around that music. But then you do another one where you're just moving. You're just moving your body to the music, whatever music you like, happy music um, usually is the best. And then, you know, just getting that where you're re-getting your body and your mind connected. Cause that's really what you want, right? You get that triggering off because now you've entered into your brainstem and your response around the fight or flight. We got to survive right the second, anytime you're triggered, you need to get back out of that. So you can reconnect yourself to the world that's happening right now and realize that logically you may be fine. Um, and that things are going to be okay. And yes, it's okay to be scared. And yes, we can talk about that. But that's where, you know, we're going to go back to why we need to plan. Because remember, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, sister, cousin, you know, grandma, grandpa, you know, just care provider, you know, Miss Wendy, Miss Heidi, we have a plan if something were to happen. And right now we're not needing to execute that plan. Right now we can just be right here and we can sing, we can dance, we can, you know, move to the music. Uh, we can play the floor is lava. We can, you know, do the bubble wrap game, um, whatever the case might be. So shake and dance, definitely something that I learned during the Center for Mind-Body Medicine trainings that I did as well, which were definitely about having some self-healing um, which is what we need when we're re-triggered due to the things that are happening in our communities. Oh, I love that. I think we might shake and dance tonight. I think, and the other fabulous thing is doing these with your children, right? So even if you don't feel that you're experiencing high stress or, or being triggered by a, a previous experience, sometimes we don't realize in our energy we're that way and these are just great mindful experiences anyhow, right? They just help us be present. And so it is the biggest gift to our kiddos when we can actually kind of do these with them and experience it with them and say, we're on this journey together. And, and so that shake and dance, um, you know, is a great, a great way to enter that that is not quite as scary as playing a, playing a game, but we have that, that dance, right? I, I know that it can be scary to play as an adult. And so sometimes we have to baby step into that playfulness. <laughs> right. Which I encourage, you're right, it can be scary, but I encourage every adult to get back into that playfulness. It's such a rewarding place to be, right? <laughs> yes. 
Oh my gosh. Great, great Brene Brown podcast on play this week. So yeah, that was play has been top of my mind as well this week. Um, Definitely. And and play is my way to get back into the resilience piece. If I'm not feeling hopeful and, or if I'm feeling worried about the state of the world, play is how I, how I get back there. (laughs) I love that. And I think we should definitely shout out a link for um, that Brene Brown. So we'll find uh, that link specifically and make sure that it's also on our podcast, just so other people have another reference point. Uh, Play is important. Play is a child's work, but it's also the work of making sure you're staying connected to yourself. And I think as adults, we don't get permissions often enough for, from other people, but definitely not from ourselves because we've become a society where play is viewed differently, right? And maybe you don't realize you're playing when you are playing because sometimes we don't realize that going on, you know, a bike ride on your quad runner or on your regular bicycle can be considered more of a playfulness around there. I I think that that's important. You brought up mindfulness you brought up mindfulness too. And I think that that's a place where we can explore a tiny bit more around bringing in some resilience building, but also some planfulness, but also helping families with triggers. What are some of your favorite ways to create mindfulness, aside from what we've already kind of talked about, which is also not just mindfulness, but energy release, right? So what are some other ways though for mindfulness um, that you like to do? You know, um, one strategy that I've used that it was a way, honestly, for me to enter into it, as well as supporting children, I've used it in classrooms and with my own family, is is around mealtime and is around having gratitude, right? So, like, what are you grateful for today? And at first, a, a two-year-old might not really truly understand gratitude, and so you can just say, oh, we're going to do our gratefuls. Like, what are you grateful for today? What was your best part of the day? you know, oh, I liked playing with the blocks, or I liked when mom read me a book, or, you know, my best part was, and then you reframe it as, oh, you are grateful for when that happened. Yeah, that was awesome. And like demonstrating and modeling that breath with it, um, because what it allows children and, and myself to do was start being able to pause and be more present when I would be having those moments that I was grateful for, right? So at first, I'm actually talking about something that happened in the past, like, oh, I'm grateful for this, but that rewires brains to actually be able to in that moment pause and have a have a mindful moment of like, I am so grateful to get this moment snuggling with my child right now. Or I am so grateful to watch my two children or my siblings or so grateful that, that this parent just came and picked up their child and I saw them hug and be happy together, right? Like you can, and just have that pause moment. So that for me, it's mealtime because it's ritual and I can always remember to do it when I'm with my children, whether it be my family or the children I'm providing care for at mealtime and building in that language so that then my brain is able to use that language later on. How awesome. You know, mealtime is one of those times I think parents forget you can make that a really important time during your day and conversation can really be very um, enlightening if you do it right. And it can also build that skill around gratefulness and around what you're talking about, which is mindfulness. And then you're, you know, you really being able to kind of connect to why the day was so good instead of why maybe the day wasn't so great, right? Because we sometimes as humans, all of us kind of start to focus in on the negative areas of our life instead of those positive areas and having a time where you talk about what was you were grateful for or what your greats were during the day is a, a, way, a great way to kind of begin to shift that mindset, which is, you know, along the lines of the mindfulness. Um, 
you know, I love that. That's amazing. And, and we would regularly, you know, go around the table and we would talk about like the highs and lows, right? Like we talk about, you know, what was your best thing? What was your not so, you know, great thing. And, you know, I tend to be a pretty positive person. So I could even pull from what wasn't well, which does tell you a lot about for you, for your child, what's going on for them in their day. But you can also help them see maybe the other side of it. Like what did they learn from what wasn't so great that day? Um, and, you know, how could they make it better in the future? So that's, again, starting, you know, asking them probing questions around what wasn't so great can also help begin to teach them some critical learning skills. And I know that's not our focus for this conversation, but I think it's always important to remember as a parent, our role is to help guide children toward critical thinking. Otherwise, we have a society that doesn't have a lot of that. And we have people who don't know how to make decisions uh, because we've made them for them maybe, or because we don't help them learn how to do that. Um, so it's just okay. another way to, to provide that. Turns in having a conversation, right? <laughs> Especially oh. <laughs> nowadays when social media is the only way we're having conversations with people and people don't know or learn how to have a conversation. So yes, thank yes. you, Heidi, for that reminder that we need to learn how to have conversations and not talk over each other or not, you know, and learn to how to disagree, you know, in an appropriate way to agree to disagree, to be able to have different views and love each other and care about each other regardless of the right. Yes, we are all we are all humans. We're all trying to figure it out and learn and have those conversations with each other. <sighs> um, what is your mindful your mindful strategy? What is your go to or the one that has made the biggest impact for you in working with children? So I really there's a couple. Um, one is around a breathing technique, right? So really having some deep breaths. And you can call it box breathing or, you know, um, but you basically your count in for a certain number and you kind of start lower when the child's younger, just because they don't necessarily can't hold their breath as long because you want it to be the same number of, you know, seconds for your breath in as you hold it, then your breath out as you hold it before you breathe back in. So that's why it's called box breathing, right? So you breathe in for four seconds, then you hold it for four seconds, then you breathe out for four seconds, and you hold that for four seconds before you start to breathe in again. And it just is another way to kind of regulate your body and become more mindful and present with what your body's feeling. Because when you're doing that, you have to concentrate on the breaths, right? So then you become, oh, I'm breathing in. Oh, I'm breathing out. Oh, I'm holding. Oh, I'm not holding, right? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Box breathing. And then that's, as I was doing that, my belly was going in and out too, right? So it's that belly breathing as well, right? <laughs> yes. And so we call it soft breathing, soft belly breathing for, for, for older people, right? Like, so, and you want, you know, you help remind them to keep their belly soft and not like, you know, tight, which is what we tend to do in our society. We've been taught to hold in our abdominal muscles, but that doesn't allow us to really breathe as deeply as we need to into our lungs to help release the cortisol that we've been pinding up, right? And so it's all about helping re-regulate the uh, hormonal releases in our body as well. So when you're breathing deeper, you start to release some of the, you know, pent up energy as well. So even though you're not doing physical activity, some of the stressful energy starts to subside and you can feel your shoulders go away from your, your ears and, you know, you release the tongue from the top of your mouth. So, you know, the other thing about breathing is, you know, my other, you know, real fun for me, but what I really, really enjoy is doing um, stretches and, you know, we call it yoga. 
Um, but, you know, some people, you know, for religious purposes may not appreciate that um, terminology, but really is about stretching and breathing at the same time. So you learn and your body learns to recenter kind of around the breathing part of your body to help your mind go back into a less triggered response, right? And so it's, again, that mind-body connection that we sometimes don't realize is getting disconnected and we need to re-get it connected because otherwise our stress levels get too high and it's great for kids they love to follow along they love to learn a new breathing exercise with you and if you're doing it together as a family it really is helpful in that you're all beginning to learn some things that can help you with stress levels as you get older i know it's really helped with me as having you know stressful types of things going on in my life but also in my job it can be stressful so having something that will allow my body to kind of relax again and you know we do as a staff we do it every friday morning thankfully because i'm telling you this friday morning i needed it more than ever with my body my body <laughs> it more than ever so i think it's just important to remember those breathing techniques um along with some physical kinds of slow activity are, are helpful, helpful for you as an adult, helpful for a child of all ages. It doesn't matter what age you are already learning how to do that. And some schools are teaching it and they're calling it mindfulness. Um, it's really nice to have. I think, um, you know, if we can try and put in the show notes too, there's two YouTube channels that have been phenomenal for me for yoga. One is the, as an adult, um, a free, a free channel called yoga with Adrian and then my kids. And I think all children and the children in my preschool classroom, I used to uh, teach in, we do Cosmo kids yoga. And those are two great free resources that families can utilize to, to do that together. And, um, and I got to tell you when, as you know, when I was on maternity leave, and I couldn't get out and get exercise, I would turn on Cosmo Kids Yoga and do that with my child and that would help my brain and I would be sore afterwards. So I think that, you know, either of these work really well for adults or children. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, you know, and, and then even, you know, meditation or prayer, however you want to verbiage it, is also a, a very important way to relax and get out of that triggering mode and to also be able to kind of reconnect to your brain and your body so that you're not responding in the fight or flight, right? And that's the whole purpose behind some of these is to keep people from that fear response, which is important when you need it to be, you know, dodging a car that's coming at you or to pull your child out of the way of a car or, you know, but it's not good if it's regular and consistent. And even during fire, when you're being evacuated in that moment, having that, you know, adrenaline spike is important, but not if it's going to create a problem for you throughout the rest of your time in that period of time, right? So, you know, it's, it isn't good for you if it's going to mean that the stress levels stay high and the cortisol levels stay high and your adrenaline stays high because that is going to create other issues for your body. So having a moment in time and, and you know, I think most, um, you know, religions have had some formation of this along and there's a reason for it it's helpful to us uh, but also even if you're not religious just having some way of getting quiet and listening to your body and noticing what your body is telling you with symptoms because we often are not in tune to why our body is feeling a certain way and then figuring out what we need to do sometimes it is just soft belly breathing right sometimes maybe we need to drink more water um, but, but being able to say oh you know what i have a horrible headache let me take some deep breaths 
if it's not the stress that's creating it, maybe I need more water. You I mean, just being able to listen to your body a little bit more. Absolutely. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. And I think um, it's kind of, it's, it's reminded me of some of the mindful pieces I want to make sure and, and just revisit in a way that they become habitual and a part of my routine, not just for me, my family, but also for my staff. I, mo I noticed you said that you guys do yoga as a staff. And I think I want to try and make sure that I'm re-entering that through um, through a business lens and making sure that, you know, the, the people that are working with you and for you are, are staying as happy and healthy as possible. And um, that's kind of going to be my takeaway from this, this conversation. So thanks, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important that we remember that if we're not having happy, healthy people that work with us or for us, um, we're not going to have a happy, healthy community. And if we don't have a happy, healthy community, it really does eventually affect you as a family um, and the youngest members of our community, right? Because then they're not getting their, the modeling they need and they're not getting their needs met the way they need. And so we've, you know, often been um, the recipients of not great modeling, right? We became a society where we were less in touch with what our families needed and less in touch with what our bodies needed. And so we are seeing some ramifications for that. But we also have to recognize that we're humans and we do the best we can in the moments that we have. And just learning and beginning to be a little bit more aware is first and foremost, half the battle. You know, just becoming someone who's just uh, more in tune to the things that are gonna be better for our family and better for us is just the start. And so just taking one of these ideas and utilizing it for a little while is gonna be helpful, I think. And we have, like you said um, a second ago, like if we can get some of these links into our podcast um, description, uh, that will be helpful as well. As you know, there are definitely resources for both, you know, Tehama County and Shasta County and our region around uh, different groups that help you learn some of these techniques uh, for, you know, and you can definitely use them with kids of all ages. None of them have, in my experience, been something that are only adult driven or only child focused. So I think we can take away from this, however we need to, whatever role we're playing within our community, within our family, or whether we're just a care provider for other children, these different techniques to help with the trauma that our families have dealt with um, through not only the camp and car fires, but maybe recent events and even the pandemic, right? So I think, you know, just knowing that we have a lot to offer as far as resources within our communities. And, and maybe if these techniques aren't entirely what you need, there are other resources available, right? Like if you do need a therapeutic intervention, then definitely seek that out. And there are, you know, variety of places and people you can go to. Uh, and it, there's no shame in needing that. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in knowing that what has happened is triggering you because that's what humans have, you know, that's what we do. We learn from our past mistakes and that can create anxiety um, if we aren't processing it in a helpful way. And sometimes we need other people to help us figure out how to process that and then be able to handle and deal with those emotions because they can be very stressful and we need to recognize that. Um, and, you know, I, I, it just brings me to mind that we often don't do that and that's where other ramifications come in, not just health related ramifications, 
but other types of, you know, degrees of issue. And I would hate, you know, for someone not to reach out and then, you know, they end their lives because of that. So I think, you know, I don't want to get too heavy, but I definitely think we need to be mindful that people are often needing help. And so if you are just a friend of somebody, you can help them by recognizing that maybe they're having a difficult time and give them some options. Yes, absolutely, Wendy. I think that it's important to to be able to be real and, and really think about the depths of of all of the different levels of stressors that families have and, and the reality and outcomes that they can have. So asking for help and um, and trying some of these strategies are gonna be definitely um, some good steps to, to take a look at for all, all families, all community members. So thanks for this conversation. This was so wonderful. Yes. Yes, thank you. You've been amazing. And thank you to the listeners. And we would love to hear if you have other ideas that you've tried, or if you try one of these ideas, we want to hear how it works out for you, or if you, you know, found it to be successful and the fun that you've had with your families um, and your children. We want to hear about those things. So please, please let us know. There's contact information um, in our podcast. Uh, description. So please make sure that you get those um, in the links below and we'll hopefully have you listening again and hear awesome. from them. Thank you. Thank you, NorCal Champions. We appreciate what you do for children. We will talk soon. All right. Bye.